Hack. G'day, it's Dave Marchese with you for the Summer Hack podcast. And Donald Trump. You're probably seeing, hearing a lot more about him this week than normal. That's because the talk about Donald Trump becoming US president again is getting louder and louder. This year, there's going to be a presidential election in the US. It'll happen in November. But up until then, there's this whole process of nominations, debates, caucuses, primary elections. It can get really confusing because the American system of politics and elections is very different to ours. And the Republicans, which is the side Donald Trump's on, they're trying to figure out who their candidate's going to be to run up against Joe Biden on the Democrat side. This week, Donald Trump won the first Republican presidential contest in Iowa. What does that mean, though? And when will we know who will be the Republicans' pick for president, whether it will be Donald Trump versus Joe Biden? And what's happening with all the other Republican candidates, the ones who are hoping to be beating out Donald Trump and on the race to become president? I wanted to check in with someone who will be able to break this down in very simple terms. Emma Shortis is a US politics expert with the Australia Institute. We speak to Emma all the time about what is going on in the United States, and she's with us now. Emma, thank you very much for jumping on the Hack Podcast. Firstly, can you explain how this process works in America of selecting who's going to run for president? Sure. So so like a lot of things in American politics, they've chosen to do this in a very kind of convoluted and complicated way. But basically what they do is each party runs state-by-state contests where Republicans or registered voters, registered party voters, in this case Republicans, go to meetings or they go to vote and choose their preferred candidate. And then those results are tallied up. And at the end of the whole process, you have a winner. So you have a presumptive nominee who's then almost kind of crowned at a big party convention in the middle of the year. So sometimes this process can go all the way up to August, but sometimes it's also over pretty quickly if there's a really clear front runner. Right. Okay. So we're still a few months away, at least from knowing who the Republicans pick is going to be. We saw Donald Trump having this win in the Iowa caucuses this week. How significant was that? It's pretty significant for Donald Trump. I think we've suspected, well, we've we've thought for a long time that he was the front runner for the nomination, but this was the first test, I suppose, of that assumption. And in the end, he got a, a majority of the votes. He came away with 51% of the votes and the biggest win in the history of Republican caucuses in Iowa. So it was a pretty clear victory for him. The focus, I think, was more on actually on who was coming second, you know, who who might be the like fallback candidate, I guess, if Trump falls over. And that's still neck and neck. So Ron DeSantis, who's the former governor of Florida, sits on something like 21% and his direct competitor, Nikki Haley, sits on around about 19. So kind of within the margin of error, really. Is there a chance that, uh, you know, the media, people are reading too much into this win in the sense that because it's so early on still that Donald Trump, of course, will have the win because he's the most recognised, the most well-known? Look, there's always a possibility that media is reading too much into things. That happens pretty regularly. And I think it's certainly possible that um, Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis, Trump's competitors, will kind of claw their way back. But it's also true that Trump's lead is just so big. You know, we're talking double digits in the polls and his base in the Republican Party is just so rusted on that it's actually hard to imagine 
anyone kind of coming close to him in this party nomination contest. Of course, American politics is is full of surprises. You know, unpredictable stuff happens all the time and Trump is an unprecedented and unpredictable candidate, you know, so he may well fall over and one of the others will end up winning the nomination. But at this stage, it looks like it's his to lose. And I guess it's a pretty rare situation to be in to have a former president uh, running like this with so many followers, with such a big profile, someone who's still making headlines every single day. Hmm. That's sucking a lot of the oxygen um, on the Republican side, I'd guess. Yeah, it's it's totally wild. Like first-term presidents don't come back, you know, that in American history they they tend to disappear, let alone a president who's incited an insurrection, is facing 91 felony charges and is using kind of openly, brazenly fascist language. So this is a completely wild situation and he does, you know, he is this whirlwind. He sucks all the oxygen out of the room and the focus is entirely on him. So for any competitors to kind of get close to him and get the space they need is almost impossible. And I think it's important to say that they're also trying to do that by being just like him. And that's part of the reason that they're not being particularly successful because they're really trying to sort of out Trump Trump or present themselves as a better, more effective Trump. And while Trump is still around, that message is really hard to get through. Well, I was going to say, do you have people like Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, having to be pretty careful about their messaging Mm. and not alienating Trump supporters because either they may need that support for themselves or if Trump is successful, they might want to be on Trump's team? That's totally right. And and Nikki Haley in particular, who was Trump's UN ambassador when he was president and quite a solid performer for him, is walking this really kind of razor thin line where she's trying desperately not to criticize him. She'll she'll call him chaotic, like that's the closest she'll get to criticizing him. But otherwise she talks about how he was a he was a great president, but it's time for a new generation of conservative leadership. So she's very careful not to criticize exactly as you say, Dave, not to alienate Trump's base and Republican voters, but also to keep Trump on side, you know, potentially in the hope that she would get the vice presidential candidacy, for example, or maybe maybe another position in his um, cabinet, you know, if he does go on to win an election. Ron DeSantis has a bit more trouble because Donald Trump really hates his guts and has for a long time. He has no time for him. But it was really interesting, I think, to see Trump in his victory speech um, speak quite nicely about his competitors. You know, he's almost pivoted to speaking as if he's already the nominee and attempting to unify the Republican Party around him. So he's already kind of decided that he's won it. Really interesting stuff. Mm. This is Hack. I'm Dave Marchese. I'm speaking with US politics expert Emma Shortis about Donald Trump, the possibility of him becoming US president for a second time. Emma, Donald Trump is still facing lots of legal issues. Like he was in a courtroom this week in a civil trial yeah. relating to, you know, sexual abuse. Like he's he was in the courtroom and he's making all these headlines. How much of an impact is all of that having on him? It's, I mean, look, so far it's helping him. It's not hurting him with the base. You know, the polling consistently shows that that a bunch of his supporters would vote for him regardless if he's a convicted criminal. You know, it doesn't, it, I think a lot of the coverage kind of says Trump is popular in spite of all this stuff, you know, in spite of the felony charges, in spite of the insurrection, in spite of his anti-democratic language. But it seems like he's actually popular with the base 
because of that. So it's not hurting him in that sense. I think it may it may hurt him even just logistically though, because as you say, you know, he's gone from Iowa to a court case in New York. And this these kind of clashes are going to happen throughout the nomination process. So before one of the biggest days on the nomination calendar, which is called Super Tuesday, which happens in March, Trump's going to be in court for, for another um, case, which is just kind of wild. You know, he'll be flying all over the country and appearing in court. So logistically it might hurt him, but politically with the base at least, it doesn't seem to be an issue. Is there any legal way that even if he was elected that he wouldn't be able to be president because of these other legal issues? So this is the totally wild, well, one of the many wild things about American politics, Dave, isn't that there's actually nothing to stop him if he is convict, a convicted criminal, even if he's in prison, from serving as president of the United States. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. Well, look, I mean, I'm sure that hasn't been tested too many times, but or has Never. it? Do you know? Has it been no, tested? No, I don't think it's ever been tested before. Like so much with Trump, you know, we're just in unprecedented territory. Yeah. So you said we'll have a clearer idea of who the Republicans pick will be later on in the year in a few months. Do we have any idea, Emma, what's going on on the Democrat side? Like Joe Biden's just watching all this happen. To be clear, he is going to be running for president again, right? Yeah, look, Joe Biden doesn't have any credible challenges in the Democratic Party and it would be very unusual for him to be challenged. So at this stage, again, you know, American politics is full of surprises, but at this stage it's more than likely that it will be Joe Biden. Um, so he is watching this very closely and is preparing, I think, to face Trump in a general election. He, you know, he was tweeting about Iowa just this week saying, you know, this is what's happened. We always knew it was going to be us, you know, us Americans versus a, a MAGA candidate, a Make America Great Again candidate. So Biden is absolutely pe- preparing for another contest with Trump. Okay, another Biden-Trump showdown perhaps. Yep. What is the next big thing to happen in this contest, Emma, that we should be looking out for? Sure. So the next primary contest actually happens in New Hampshire next week, early next week, around Wednesday, our time. And that one will be an interesting one because the Republican um, base in New Hampshire is a little bit different. They're a little bit more kind of, I suppose, traditionally conservative. There's there's much, um, much less of a presence of Christian evangelicals um, compared to Iowa. And so Nikki Haley has a fair bit more support in New Hampshire. So this will be a big test for her candidacy and a different, I suppose, a slightly different test for Trump's support. So that's a really important one to watch. And then not long after that, at the end of February, there's South Carolina, which is Nikki Cayley's home state, that where Trump is polling once again in kind of ahead of her in, in double digits. So it's actually possible that we'll kind of know almost for certain by the end of February, who the nominee is going to be. Look, we'll be definitely speaking to you about it. And I look forward to you breaking this whole presidential race down for us this year, because we're going to need it. Senior researcher in international and security affairs at the Australia Institute, Emma Shortis, thank you very much for joining us on Hack. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Summer Hack.